This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Thanks, Sias. Hi, guys. It's so nice to be with you. Um, you are the two, the two archangels are visiting you. My name is Gilly, but real English people can't pronounce or say Gilly, so they call me Michael. So I'm Michael and this is Gabriel. Um, so tomorrow you can say that the archangels spoke to you last night. What a, what a privilege. Um, we are going to read out of the book of Revelation. So turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 1 and 5. 1 and 5. So this happened to me during lockdown. I suppose this happened to you as well. Um, our title tonight is Two Sides of the Same Coin. Say it to the person next to you, two sides of the same coin. Two sides of the same coin. So, I don't know about you, but um, I got really frustrated with everyone telling me who's the next Antichrist, or Bill Gates is this, and Donald Trump is this, and I decided that I can't deal with all the conspiracy anymore, I'm going to look at the book of Revelation for myself. I still don't know if it was the best thing or the dumbest thing that I ever did, but um, I took our church through the book of Revelation um, 12 weeks. We did a study on it, and it's, it's just been an amazing journey. So I want to share with you a, a, a few parts out of the book of Revelation tonight. We're going to read in, in, in chapter 1. Now, for, for you guys to understand this, I'm going to do the first part, and then my friend Gabriel is going to do the second part. For you to understand, I need to just tell you a bit of background about the book of Revelation, okay? So, so just hang with me. Every book in the Bible that is written is written for a specific audience, but also for us. So there was a specific message for a specific audience. We need to understand what did this book mean to them because it meant something to them. They understood it. They understood the beast out of the sea and all these weird and wonderful things that you read in the book of Revelation. If you've ever read it, you're like, what's going on here? Okay. Um, but they understood it. They understood the analogy. They understood the 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 Bildsprach is the beautiful Afrikaans word. They understood everything. Um, and we, we need to know what this book meant to them and then what it means to us today. So this book was written to an audience that was very heavy persecuted. They lived in modern-day Turkey, those days Klein Asia in Asia. And there were seven specific towns that there were seven churches in. And this book is written to them. This book is not about the end times only. Um, it's not about how all is, it's going to end. It's also very relevant to us. So if you've never read it, go and read it. Um, and maybe tonight I'll, I'll leave you with something that you can use to, to go and study this book. So it was, it was written to these seven churches that was heavily persecuted. They were under... Um, they, they were under Roman control, and the, the Caesar's name was Domitianus. Say Domitianus. Domitianus. We said it so much that I struggled, and I said at the end, I said, I'm just going to call him Domitianus. Okay, so, so that's just, this just easier for me. <laughs> I love Domitianus. Nothing against Domitianus. It's just Domitianus. So um, Domitianus was the first guy that actually asked people, he, he yeah, he asked them to worship him. 
as their Lord and their God. So what happened? If they had uh, games in the Colosseum, everyone should stand up and they should, if he enters his, his box that where he was seated, they should say, Dumishihanes, our Lord and our God. They should bow and then they were seated. Now for people worshiping Jesus, this was a problem. Okay, because they confess that Jesus is Lord, not Dumishihanes. So this was a real problem to them. The, the, the problem further were that they um, couldn't work if they didn't worship him. So there were statues all in every town, all around town, and they should go to these statues, and they had a ritual, they had some water, they should pour it on the statue, and then there was an official, and they would say, Dumishihanes, our Lord and our God, and they would bow, and they will give them a certificate called a labellus. Say labellus. And that, that gave them permission to work. If they didn't have that, they couldn't work. So what happened is they refused to bow their knees, some of them. They refused to bow their knee to Dumishihanes. Some of the Christians said, hey, I'm just going to compromise a bit here. God will understand my wife and kids needs to eat. So I'm going to do the ritual. It doesn't mean anything. And Jesus was very outspoken to that crowd. But for most of them, they didn't do this. And they refused and Obviously, because of that, they couldn't work, they couldn't earn money, they couldn't eat, they couldn't do anything. Um, and also what started to happen is the people in these towns thought that they would do the Roman officers a favor and start to literally go into the house of Christians, beat them, rape them, murder them. Now, it's, it's, it's fine, and I, I want to just pause here, it's fine if it's a, if it's a historical fact for us. But I want you to, to think that tonight you're here, you're worshiping Jesus with this awesome band, and you feel his presence, and you go home, and someone just comes into your home, beats you, you lay there half dead on the floor, and tomorrow morning it's intercession, and you need to come to intercession again. Will you still then be worthy, you're worthy of it all? So that's what we're saying tonight. You are worthy of it all. So these Christians were asking, God, are you sovereign? Are you seeing what's happening to us? Are you really in control? There's a, there's a moment in Revelation 6 where the martyrs stand around the throne of God and they ask, them, they ask him one question. They ask him, when, not if, when will you avenge our blood from the inhabitants of the earth? Okay, God didn't rebuke them because they knew God in his holiness had to respond to unrighteousness. They knew that God will punish this unrighteousness. So Jesus appears to John. He's on the island of Pathmos. He appears to John, and the way he appears to him is what I want to share with you, the first part. John is the disciple that had his, chest on Jesus's, had his head on Jesus' chest at the, the Last Supper. He was the one that cared for his mother. He was the one that knew him. He was the one that said, this is him. This, I'm the disciple whom he loves. Okay, so he knew Christ. He knew Jesus. But this is his response when Jesus reveals himself to him. Let's read verse 17. When I saw him, when I saw him, this is, this is Jesus appearing to him. He's, he's removed because he's a prisoner because of his religious convictions. He's, he refused to, to, to worship Dumishanus. And Jesus reveals himself to him to give him a message to these churches, to encourage them. 
that he is still in control, that he is still sovereign, that he really is worthy of all the suffering. It's one thing to sing it here, and this is nice, it's comfortable. It's a different thing when these kinds of things happen to you. So this is John's response. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. As though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, don't be afraid, I am the first and the last. He knew Jesus. He knew him. But he... he, he sees something different. Scripture describes that he was, he revealed himself as a judge. So if you go and read the, the way Jesus um, revealed himself, he had white hair, he had fire in his eyes, and he had bronze feet, meaning that he's here to, to judge all flesh. And Jesus, Jesus reveals himself in this way, and John fell full as if dead. And Jesus says, come on, you know me. You know me, but he sees something different. He sees something different. I want to just go to Revelation 5. So the whole book, this book is the revelation of Jesus Christ. This, is, this book is about Jesus, okay? The book of Revelation, it's about Jesus. And John saw something of his holiness, which I am really scared that we, as a generation, older and younger, that we miss. If you, if you go on Instagram or Facebook, all the quotes, all the stories, we, we see and read about the love and the grace. But we never read or quote or say something against our wall or against our mirror about the holiness of Jesus. And I, I want to remind us tonight, that's the, the first part of the coin, is that holiness is a separation from sin. It's a place where we say, Lord, I love you so much that I want to walk away from anything that defiles me in your presence. That's why Isaiah said when he saw him, he saw him in heaven. He said, woe unto me, for I am a man of unclean lips. He says, I can't even speak when I'm in his presence. Every single time in scripture, from Genesis to the book of Revelation, when someone encountered God, they fell as if dead. They didn't sing songs about his love and his grace, which I, I love his love. <laughs> okay, don't get me wrong. I love, I, I need his love more than you guys, just as much as you, okay? I love the fact that he's gracious. But if I, if I disregard his holiness, I won't understand his love and his grace. I won't understand. If I don't look at his love and his grace through the, the glasses of his holiness, I'll miss it. I'll totally miss it. I'll think he, he has to serve me. I'll think that I'm the centerpiece of his creation. You know, this, is, this, this book is not about us. It's about Jesus from the beginning to the end. This life is not about you and it's not about me. It's about him. It's about him. Look at the response in, in Revelation 5. I want to show you how heaven responds when Jesus enters. They say that this was the the. the the part after Jesus was crucified for the first time that he got to heaven. Revelation 5, chapter 2, I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice. He asks this question. He says, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? This scroll is the plans of God for us. He says, there's no one worthy, no one in heaven, no one under heaven, no one in the earth or on the earth or under the earth. There's no one that's worthy to open the scroll. What will we do? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. 
And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. John, for the first time, he saw horrible things in the book of Revelation. If you study it, he saw the judgment of God being poured out over the earth. He saw a beast coming out of the sea. He saw horrible things. But this is the only time that he cries. And this, this translation says he weeps uncontrollably. Why is he weeping? Because there's no one that's worthy to open the scroll, to reveal the plans of God for us and to us. And he weeps. And this is the response of the elders. We sang it. That's why I want to, we sang this tonight. Verse 5, and one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So he's saying, you can stop crying, John. Here is someone that's worthy, not someone that's strong enough, not someone that's, that's good enough, someone that's worthy enough. The only one that's worthy enough to open and reveal the plans of God for us is Jesus. Okay? And, and it takes a scroll. And between the throne of the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes. The elders said, behold, the lion of Judah. He turns around and he sees a slaughtered lamb, a slain lamb. The most helpless thing probably on a farm, if you go to a farm, is a, is a lamb. And this lamb is not just helpless, he's slain. You know why he's slain? It's because it, was, it just went to the cross. He was slain for our sins. And he says, this lamb, this slain, slain lamb, is the one that's worthy to open the scroll. And he went and took the scroll, and I want to focus on what happens here. He took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the, the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you. Worthy is the Lamb. That's the song of heaven. Worthy is the Lamb. You know what the song of the earth is, of, of, of the world? If you go to Revelations 13, it's, Worthy am I. I'm worthy. But our song should be, Worthy is the Lamb. Like we sang this evening, he is worthy. But, but it seems that this gospel sometimes that we try to create for ourselves, that we're comfortable with, is that we place ourselves in the center of the gospel and we say, I'm worthy. You know, I need to be served. Everything needs to go good for me. I need to get a husband. I need to get a wife. I need to get that job. That's what I'm trusting for. But the song of heaven tonight is worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. He is worthy. And because of this, we turn away from sin and we separate ourselves. Now, if, you, if you've ever really been, I remember the first time I was in, in this church. And I remember the first time I experienced the presence of God. I had a city Chico, most amazing, beautiful car, red one. And I had some righted music I repented afterwards because of my righted CD that I have worship music on. I, I put it in the CD player and I worshiped in my car, driving to Marmesbury, where my parents lived. And for the first time, as I was singing in the car, I felt the presence of God, the living God. It felt like it was there with me in the car. And I was like, Lord, this is, this is what, what life is all about. You are worthy. 
you are worthy, not me. It's not about me. And sometimes when we're in that place, where we're in his presence like tonight, we feel so unworthy. We feel like, yes, I can't stand here. I can't live here. I can't be here. I'm not worthy to enter his presence. But God did two things before I give over to Gabriel. God did two things for us to make us able to live in his holiness, to enter his holiness. You know that Job in the Old Testament, he asked one question. He said, how can man, unrighteous man, stand before a holy God? You know what? It's impossible. If we saw God tonight, if he reveals himself to us, we will die. We will die. But there is a way that he, he made a way for us to stand before him. The first is obviously salvation, is that we are born again. It's that we are born again. And then he places his spirit in us, called the Holy Spirit. To let us turn away from sin so that we can enter in and be with him. There's a quote that I love. It says, kill sin or it will be killing you. <laughs> kill sin or it will be killing you. And sometimes we try to manage our sin. We try to we think, hey, this little thing, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Um, I, I go with it one year, two years, three years. No one knows about it. I'm here in church. I'm fine. I'm worshiping. I'm sensing a bit of God's presence. And, and um, I think that that's fine. I can manage my sin. Till one day that you're caught out. Or if God disciplines you because he loves you and he takes stuff away from you, because he'll do it in his holiness. He will do it. That's what scripture says. He disciplines us because he loves us. So the first part of the coin tonight is let us separate ourselves from sin, even if it's a little bit. If tonight you can come to Christ and say, Lord, I want every last thing out of my life, every thought, every impurity, every bit of of watching pornography, every bit of sexual immorality, every bit of anger, every bit of pride, every single thing. I need you, I need you in my life because I need holiness to enter into your presence. I want to know you. You know, when I was a student, I, I don't know if Sias can remember this, there was thousands of students over the years, but I think I responded to a hundred altar calls. I think the, the facilitators thought, oh, here's Gili again. This one has got real issues. <laughs> they were not far from wrong. Um, <laughs> but I want to I encourage you, while, while we're still young, <laughs> all of us, I'm 21, 17, <laughs> 25, okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> let's cleanse our life. Let's cleanse it. And say, Lord, I want to live unblemished before you. I want to hear your voice. You know, the, the biggest thing that, that's, I think the, the, the most, the measte reward is if we can feel the pleasure of God over our obedience. Because you know, you know how, you measure, how you measure if you know the holiness of God and the fear of the Lord, it's by your obedience. It's, that's the only, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. If you love me, You'll obey my commands. There's no other measurement. Obedience. Okay, so I want you to quickly, while Gabriel is coming to the front, I want you to turn to your friend and tell them one thing that you might be sensing God speaking to you about. One thing. One thing in your life that you need to be obedient of. Or one thing that, while I was speaking, was just maybe 
flashing in your eyes, okay? So turn to the guy to your left. Let's do that now. Lovely. Left. And let's share. Okay, guys, let's get going on. I love this. Gili, thank you so much. That was amazing. That was so good. So I'm going to take 10 seconds, and I'm just quickly going to pray for myself. Okay, I'm from Pochestrum. I'm an original Pochi. Okay, I didn't just study there. So I need extra prayer being here in Stellenbosch, okay? So Jesus, thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for this amazing community. Lord, thank you for this amazing church. God has impacted so many people. Holy Spirit, we love you. You're amazing. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing in your sight. Amen. Amen. So guys, I'm going to kind of go after the second part of this coin. Right, so the first part that Gili spoke about, he spoke about holiness and holiness connected to the worthiness of Jesus and how it is separating ourselves from sin. It is how do we move away from what we know to be wrong in a response to the revelation of the majesty, beauty, and worthiness of Jesus. You cannot be holy, listen carefully, by just separating yourself from sin. You can only be holy by separating yourself onto God. My favorite quote about holiness is this. Holiness is being addicted to the maximum pleasure of life, which is God himself. Holiness is being addicted to the maximum pleasure, which is God himself. Guys, I, I fully believe that our ability to live a holy life has everything to do with our revelation of the total worthiness of who Jesus is. And so that kind of being our first part, I'm going to take a little bit of a twist in a different direction. So as me and Gili prayed together, I felt the Lord kind of just speak to me a little bit about you guys and... Um, I felt he said the following. I, I felt him say, Gabe, you're speaking to a group of wild people. A group of wild ones tonight. I like wild people. Right? I'm made to be around wild people. Tame people make me a little bit nervous. Right? And, and, I, and I felt the Lord said, you're speaking to your kind. You're speaking to wild ones. To people that kind of make the average Christian a little bit uncomfortable. They, they really don't know how to answer all your stories or testimonies. They don't really know what to do that you like reading Bible so much. Or do you like worshiping or praying the way that you do. And, and, and I felt as, as, as I was preparing and praying that the picture that I saw was, you know those old movies where 
um, soldiers are all going on these trains on their way to war, right? And all of their friends are there waving them off. And they're like, you're going to change the world. You're going to save us. You're wild. I kind of felt that my role tonight was kind of being that people cheering you on. And saying to you guys that you're about to enter into something that's going to be wild. I felt such a deep sense of the thankfulness and the pleasure of Jesus over this community. And I felt the deep invitation that he is asking you guys to trust him for bigger things. The one part of holiness, like Healy explained, is, is separating ourselves from sin. The other part of holiness is separating ourselves onto God, like I just said. But there's a different part of being separated onto God. And it is this one thing here, to be separated onto His works. That holiness and living a life in holiness is living a life in step with the Holy Spirit. And like Healy said that the first part of the Holy Spirit's name is holy. It is set apart. It is different. Right? It means that there is nothing like Him. Like if you can perfectly describe the Holy Spirit, you're lying. Right? You can maybe describe some part of Him, but the fullness of who He is is without explanation. Whenever anybody encounters God in the Word, they use bijwoorde. The closer they get, He is like this, like, 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 because there's nothing like Him. Right? And I believe that within this church, within this community, He's creating a holy people. He's creating a people where I feel like people are trying to confine you and say, here's your box, you're actually this. Shofar Stellenbosch is this, or they're a part of that brand, or oh, they actually like doing stuff that way. And I feel this just decoration from the Lord. He says, no, these are my holy people. Boxes cannot define them. They're called to be wild and set apart. And we see throughout church history, throughout the world, that whenever there is a rage of Satan, that God raises up a people. He raises up a people that lives radically opposite lives of the world around them and what's even accepted by Christians. The first group I want to use is a group that was actually called, it's kind of funny now when I think about it, the Holy Club. There's a group of like people on a university campus called Oxford. And there was a man by the name of John Wesley. His brother was Charles. And they started this little small group. And lo and behold, they changed England forever. And they had this belief of practical holiness, that holiness is something to be lived out with God. And it's amazing, they say, that no, no one revivalist has ever so changed a common man's life like John Wesley. It is wild. He would stand. They will not allow him to preach in churches. He would stand outside on his father's gravestone at the church his father used to pastor. And there will be 30,000 people standing in front of him. And he will be preaching the gospel. And people will be throwing him with rocks. And he would go back home and say, thank you, God. Did you count me worthy to suffer with you, Jesus? The second group of people, there was this little small group, was a group that was actually started by Andrew Murray in the Netherlands. And they were a small group of people also that encountered the Lord, met Him in the midst of where people questioned the authenticity of Scripture and if it has errors or not. And He and His friends were like, no, there is one true way. 
And he started praying because he remembered his dad was praying for 30 years every Friday for revival. And he came back to South Africa, and we all know the story. Revival broke out and started with a small group of people. And then the other one I want to share is just my personal life. After I got saved, I played a bit of Varsity Cup. Um, I guess, yeah. And um, after I got born again, me and my best friend used to play rugby with me. We used to sit in his, in his hostel and we wrote on the wall in the pursuit of wonder. And we'd ask ourselves this question, how close can we get to God without dying? For a few weeks, it was just me and him. Then his girlfriend came, who's now his wife. Then my girlfriend came, who's now my wife. I think our biggest night, we had 600 people show up. There was thousands of young people that got saved. But it was one longing, one desire. How close can we get to him? And I believe that the Lord is brewing something new, a new wave out of this community. A new wave of salvations. A new wave of zeal that proclaims the way of the Lord. As the enemy is raising up a voice that says, no, fit in. Conformity is easier. No, no, you need to agree with the group pressure of how society should look. I believe that God is raising up a voice within this family that says, no, 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 I have a king. His name is Jesus. And he is worthy to be followed. So when I asked the Lord, God, what is the key for them in this? I felt he said to me, simple, Gabe. It's the same key as the people of Acts 17.6. Acts 17.6 is wild. There was also a group of people that didn't want to obey the norm of culture. So beautiful. It's a silversmith that tries to insult them. And he did and He gave them a crazy compliment. He dragged these Christians and he said to all the people, people, these are the ones who have turned the world upside down. And now they have come here also. And here's what they had, these people. They had a understanding beyond the norm of who the Holy Spirit is and his leadership in their life. Now here's what you want, need to understand. I'm, what I'm not saying I'm not talking about charismatic culture. I'm talking about the Spirit of God who possesses every Christian. I believe, I feel the Lord is saying that, that He wants to release a fresh understanding of the leadership of Jesus through the working of the Spirit in your lives where the engineering campus would look different where there's new innovation happening within biology, where there's something new happening within the hostels, where there's revival breaking out because of his leadership in your lives. And I want to read you guys a little bit of a quote. I can't read all the Bible scriptures because it will take forever. There's 34 references. But I want to, yeah, there's 34 references of the word. And it talks about the role of the Holy Spirit in the early church. He says this, it's from a guy named Gordon Fee. If you want to read a good theology book, Paul the Spirit and the People of God. It's really good. Paul described the Holy Spirit as, as the Christian's accompanying joy. Revelation came through the Spirit, and Paul's preaching is accompanied by the power of the Spirit. Prophetic speech and speaking in tongues results directly from speaking by the Spirit. By the Spirit, the Romans put to death any sinful practices. Paul desires the Ephesians to be strengthened by means of God's Spirit. Believers served by the Spirit of God, loved by the Spirit, are sealed by the Spirit, and walk, in, in, walk and live by the Spirit. Finally, believers are saved through the washing of the Spirit, whom God poured out upon them. 
Then the Spirit searches all things, knows the mind of God, teaches the content of the gospel to believers, dwells among and within believers, accomplishes all things, gives life to those who believe, cries out from within our heart, leads us in the ways of God, bears witness with our own spirit, has desires as an opposition to the flesh, helps our weakness, intercedes on our behalf, work all things together for the ultimate good, strengthens believers, is grieved by our sinfulness. Furthermore, the fruit of the Spirit's indwelling are the personal attributes of who God is. A quick question, what can you do in the Christian life without the Spirit? Next. Not one single thing. And, and when we talk about holiness, and when we talk about being separated from sin, being sec- separated onto God, I feel there's a massive invitation to this body of people here, these wild ones, where the Spirit is saying, hey, you have known a lot, right? But here's the thing, there's even more. There's even more. There's even more wisdom. There's even more freedom. There's even more zeal. There's even more power. There's even more revelation of the contents of the gospel that I want to reveal in you and through you to Stellenbosch like you've never known it before. Here's the thing, guys. I promise you, COVID thought it got us. He's seen nothing yet. Last week, me and a few friends, I think we saw 110 salvations on the streets. I was shocked, honestly, I was surprised. I'm not saying it like, hey, look at me, I'm special. I was like, what? Like people would share stories. We have CrossFit coaches. Hey, we just saw five salvations in our boxes. Right, God is doing things in new ways and what is happening is he is giving permission to all of us to go like, hey, do you want to jump on the train? We're heading to war. And it's going to be wild. And it's going to be amazing. And I feel there's some of you here tonight that's asking this question, but God, can I? Can I be a part of this story? Can I be a part of this group of people? And I want to tell you, yes. Not just yes, that it is our privilege as born-again believers to walk in step with the Spirit, to see Jesus receive the reward of His suffering. That that same John Wesley wrote his last letter to the man of the name um, William Wilberforce. Don't know if you know who that is. He ended slavery. It's that our obedience to the Spirit does not just lead to Sunday revival. It leads to Monday revival, Tuesday revival, Thursday revival, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. And it just starts again and again and again. And I believe there's something on its way. And I'm going to end with this. I just feel tonight the Lord wants to impart something fresh to you guys. He wants to give something new. He wants to impart a fresh faith that God would use you guys to do something that's in a good way going to shock this city. It's going to shock this nation. And it will have reverberation to the ends of the earth. Guys, our time is not done. He has a big plan for this country. He has a ginormous plan for this nation. We just moved back to South Africa, and I think there's 28 missionaries from like six different countries that joined us. God would not send us here if his plan for us was finished. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. 
Go to www.chevronline.tv to download and share.